This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Tuesday, May 24th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Groundwater bill advances. Newsom eyes water mandate. And Japan wants U.S. back in TPP. Assembly signs off on Newsom's groundwater order. The Assembly passed a measure yesterday that would codify into state law the governor's executive order to protect drinking water wells during the drought. The bill would require local groundwater sustainability agencies to review each application before county approval. It would apply only to medium and high-priority basins, exempt drought drinking water wells, and expire with Governor Newsom's emergency drought declaration. County governments are permitting these new wells without any review with ministerial over-the-counter permits, according to Assemblymember Steve Bennett of Ventura during the debate. Bennett charged that the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act has failed since more drinking water wells have gone dry since it passed. He added that the powerful water lobby has been fiercely fighting against light-touch efforts like this. Republicans push back on taking the authority away from local governments and argued the state has been strangling agriculture by slashing water supplies with measures like this. And on that note, Newsom hinted yesterday at a statewide mandate to limit urban water use and call for more aggressive actions from local water districts. This follows voluntary water savings of less than 4% since July. A top-down mandate would run counter to Newsom's year-long push for locally-led solutions. Ag groups urge withdrawal of SCOTUS brief in Roundup case. A stunning and dangerous shift in U.S. policy toward pesticide labeling poses great risks to our science-based regulatory system and global food systems. Dozens of commodity and other ag groups assert in a letter asking the Biden administration to withdraw a recently filed brief in the Supreme Court. Led by the American Soybean Association and the National Corn Growers Association, the letter to President Joe Biden takes aim at the brief filed by Solicitor General Elizabeth Preluger at a case involving a verdict that found the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act does not preempt state tort law claims. California resident Edwin Hardiman claimed his exposure to Roundup from the mid-1980s through 2012 had caused his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and that Monsanto had failed to adequately warn him of the herbicide's health risks. A federal jury awarded him about $80 million, which included $75 million in punitive damages. A district court judge reduced the damages award to $20 million. You can read our full report at agripulse.com. WOTUS Roundtable reflects divisions and debate over federal definition. Uh, the second EPA Army Corps of Engineers Roundtable on how to define waters of the U.S. under the Clean Water Act included clashing viewpoints from a diverse set of stakeholders. Ray Gasser, an Iowa farmer, member of the Iowa Soybean Association, and Solutions from the Land, joined with Illinois corn growers and a representative of the Home Builders Association of Kansas City and opposing a WOTUS definition, including ephemeral and intermittent streams. 
Environmental reps, however, including a North Dakota farmer representing a local Sierra Club chapter, contended that all waters are connected and advocated protection for isolated wetlands as well as all streams, even if they do not flow year-round. Megan Dwyer, Director of Conservation and Nutrient Stewardship at the Illinois Corn Growers, said farmers want practical solutions and a durable definition of WOTUS. Lilius Jarding, however, of the Black Hills Clean Water Alliance in South Dakota, said the ever-changing definitions of WOTUS have made it difficult to protect ephemeral and intermittent waterways. Yesterday's roundtable, which focused on the Midwest, can be viewed uh, at agripulse.com. There are still eight more of those roundtables ahead. War in Ukraine adds to global food insecurity, food price inflation. A new report underscores how Russia's ongoing war against Ukraine is escalating concerns over already high food price inflation and the potential for millions more to go hungry around the globe. It's like a tsunami. Its cause can be on one side of the ocean, but the devastating effects could be spread thousands of kilometers away, noted Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky in a speech to global citizens earlier this year. Food security and the coming storm chronicles how war is affecting global food prices in several ways, including declining Black Sea exports, higher global fertilizer prices, and the potential for political instability as hunger rises. The report, prepared by the Eurasia Group and DeVry BV Sustainable Strategies, using Grow Intelligence data, was released yesterday as a part of the Global Citizen Now Summit in New York. You can read our full report at agripulse.com. Japan's Prime Minister asked Biden about U.S. rejoining TPP. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida on Monday took the opportunity during a joint press conference with President Joe Biden to ask him to bring the U.S. back into the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Pact. That's something that a lot of U.S. ag exporters would like to see happen, that the Biden administration officials continue to throw cold water on the idea. When asked by reporters why the U.S. isn't considering joining the Pacific Rim Trade Pact, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai called it too fragile. She stressed that the Biden administration's Indo-Pacific economic framework, by contrast, will link major economies and emerging ones to tackle 21st century challenges and promote fair and resilient trade for years to come. Tai has called traditional free trade agreements like the TPP 20th century trade tools and yesterday said that trade packs, which focus on tariff reduction, are very much a part of the practice that has brought us to where we are both in terms of the fragility of where and that trajectory has taken us. Ag Group says farmers need more benefits of Indo-Pacific deal. U.S. Farm Groups issued statements yesterday in praise of President Joe Biden's announcement that 12 countries have signed up to be a part of the U.S.-led Indo-Pacific economic framework. But ag exporters need to know a lot more about how the effort will help increase trade to some of the fastest-growing international markets, that according to Farmers for Free Trade. The Indo-Pacific Economic Framework is a laudable first step to re-engaging in the region, said Brian Keel, the group's executive director. However, 
it will be essential that the administration articulate how an agreement that does not currently include tariff reduction will provide new market access and economic opportunities for farmers. As negotiations progress, we encourage the administration to speak directly to farmers, food producers, and rural Americans about uh, how IPEF can directly benefit them. Farmers, Keel said, still sore from losing out when the U.S. removed itself from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Pact. Here's today's He Said It. From a Central Valley perspective, we do get tired of constantly hearing about water. That Assembly member Heath Flora of Ripon in sharing frustration over Bennett's bill, which lists two more urban lawmakers as co-authors and has gained strong coastal support. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Tuesday, May 24th. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Alley.